Be encouraged. Welcome to a podcast centered around being encouraged, being an encouragement to someone, and being encouraged, replacing fear with unwavering trust. I hope you are encouraged today by a message from Michelle Reynolds. No matter what phase you are in in life, you can be encouraged in Christ. Hi, you guys. Um, before we get into our lesson, I just kind of wanted to spend a minute or two and kind of share with you my thoughts and my heart. Ever since I started recording these uh, podcasts, or even before I started recording these podcasts, I have struggled with the enemy's thoughts, whether or not I am good enough, who wants to hear what I have to say, just just all things related to insecurities in my life. You know, and every time I get ready to record, I feel this need or I have this thought in my mind that I want people to be pleased with what I say. And it often gets in the way and I, and I'm constantly pausing and pausing or I'm constantly stopping and starting over because I want to make sure that it's good enough. And I realized, well, I've, I've always had the head knowledge, but I connected it to my heart that that's a problem. You know, there's a, there's an underlining problem that I want to be pleasing to others. And I share that because hopefully it will help someone who's listening. I am putting forth my best effort to be obedient to God. And that's success enough for me. You know, so again, if it's only one person that listens to this podcast, I thank God for you. I thank God that he uses me to share this message with you. And I ask that y'all pray for me. Pray that I would seek to continue to do what it is that God is calling me to in full obedience to him and to not be detoured by my own thoughts and desires or the enemies. So I just ask that y'all stand in agreement and, and pray with me on that, that I will continue to do what it is that God has for me to do without getting wrapped up in, in people or pleasing people or myself. So now that's out there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell our topic today is faith. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And faith plays an unrecognizable role in our daily lives. We exercise faith in many daily actions, such as when you walk outside and you start your car, you don't understand how all the parts or the mechanics work together in order for that car to turn over, but it does. When you say that you're going to go and get in an airplane, you're not the person driving that plane. You don't understand how the airplane works. But you trust that you're going to get from point A to point B. You're exercising faith. But that faith, the faith of the world, is different from the faith that God requires. There is an element of trust that makes the difference. Faith of the world can be seen as a form of spirituality, meaning he or she is a person of faith. Um, others can understand faith as an unwavering belief that something good is going to happen, you know, just optimistic about life. And some can see faith as a blind leap against known facts. And sometimes we could call this a, a calculated risk. 
you know, while biblical faith is faith in Christ, which means that we not only believe in and know about God, but we trust that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. Biblical faith is a confident step into action in response to what God has made known. It's not us just jumping out on what we think or what we want, but it is what God has made known to us that we're acting on. So before we get into reading our verses, we want to go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, thank you for every person that listens to this message. I pray that they would hear from you, Father God. Lord, I am asking that you help us grow in our trust and in faith to you, to trust that you are going to fulfill your promises in our life, Father God. Even though we don't see evidence of it materializing right now, Lord, I pray that you would help us to know that you are working all things together for our good, Father God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for revealing truth to me. I thank you that I no longer have to live in the dark, Father God, but I can live in the light of who you are. Thank you that I am flawed, Lord God, and that you reveal to me the areas that you are still working in my life. Lord, thank you. I don't have to carry the burden of perfection. I just simply have to be who you created me to be and to trust you with those things, Father God. So I pray that in my dysfunction, in my inadequacy, in my flawedness, Father God, you will be revealed and glorified. I pray that you will be made strong even though I am weak. Because of my weakness, Father God, you are strong. And I thank you. I thank you that I can be vulnerable in your presence, Father God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that I can just be me and you will do the rest, Father God. Thank you. So I pray that as we go into your word, you will speak to your people, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. So um, we're going to go ahead and read again. We're in Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to start off with 1 through 3. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. In verse 1, the author, or in verses 1 through 3, the author defines what faith is by expressing the essential qualities of faith. He doesn't go and give us a Webster dictionary defining of the word faith. But what he is saying is that faith is acting on what God has revealed about his will and his character. And those two qualities lead us to confidence and assurance. You know, the confidence of faith is in the God who fulfills his promises, while the assurance of faith is not just a wistful longing that something good will happen in the future. It, it is an assurance is an absolute certainty that God will bring to pass what he promised despite our not seeing it. So we don't necessarily have to see the physical evidence. Well, we can't see the physical evidence of things and believe that it's going to work together. Faith is 
not seeing how things are going to come together, yet God brings it together. That's that's faith. Hopefully that didn't confuse y'all. Okay. Verse three. I'll read it again. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Faith must include the deep conviction that God created the visible universe out of nothing except his word. This is a basic belief of Jewish and Christian theology. God created everything that we now see. You know, that's as simple as it is. God said, let there be light. Boom, there was light. You know, that's that's faith, believing that God created this world that we enjoy by simply speaking a word requires faith because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to from human understanding, you know, from human rationale. How can something so grand be made of nothing? And uh, we, we, we struggle with that. As humans, without faith, we will struggle with that concept or that truth. Let me say, God spoke the word and the universe sprang into existence. Since God framed the world in his command and he used only what cannot be seen to form the visible, if the visible world had been formed out of materials which could be seen by human observation, then there would have been no room for faith. So. All that to say is the reason why we have that faith is because we can't explain in our human understanding how that could have happened. So I know that was kind of repetitive, but hopefully I I was trying to make sure I got the point across. Okay, so we're going to read Hebrews 4 and it says, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel is long dead, he speaks to us by his example of faith. And I want to go to Genesis chapter four, verses three through five, where we read about Cain and Abel, because here in Hebrews four, this is talking about Abel and Cain is just a reminder of verse two, where he said, Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. So throughout this chapter, the author gives examples of Christians or followers of Christ, disciples of Christ that were recognized for their faith. Abel is one of those people. So we're going to go to Genesis 4, 3 through 5. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crop as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. So I want us to notice the difference between the two offerings. Cain brought some of his crops, while Abel brought the best of the firstborn. God requires the first and the best. So I wanted to go to Exodus 23, 16, 19, 16 and 19. So Exodus 23, verse 16 says, Second, celebrate the festival of harvest. When you bring me the first crops of your harvest. And then verse 19 says, As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the the Lord, your God. So I I wondered 
what is it about bringing the first and the best? You know, and I'm going to take a moment here and just kind of pause for a second and, and really share with you how I have struggled and still, still learn and seek to understand the tide. Growing up as a kid or even through all of my adult life, I struggle with the tithe because I've always thought of it as money. I've always thought of it as the church is robbing people or why does God need my money? You know, what, why does the church need my money? And so I struggle with paying tithe. I struggle with being consistent in paying tithes. And the more I read and the more I understand about God, I had the head knowledge, but I never really connected it to my heart because I was holding on to the fact that, well, this is money. And and the more I started to grow in the word and the more I started to grow in my understanding of God, I can't apply and leave some scripture and not others. So I can't apply and say that I want the promises of God or I want the blessings of God and not apply the wisdom or the commands of God to my life. There's no pick and choose in this walk of faith. You know, so I had to start to realize that I can't say, oh, I'm going to take this part of the Bible and not this part. Well, I'm going to use this part of scripture, but not this part. And the more I thought about that, I, I had to really learn more about the tithe. And in that, I learned that tithing is not because we need to fulfill a need that God has. Again, remember, God is abundant. He is all knowing. He, he created the world, you know, in, in a word. So he doesn't need anything from me. But what I realize is the scripture says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So I learned that my treasures were material and monetary. I was putting my heart with material things. So I found it difficult to go to God and give to him what already belongs to him. So I think that's where a lot of us get confused at with the tithe. We think that we're giving God our money or we're giving God our time. We're giving God our children. When in fact, we're giving back to him what he gave to us. You know, that my job is not my provider or my source. God is because he makes it possible for me to get up and go to work every morning. He makes it possible that the opportunity presented itself. So everything that I have already belongs to God and I should be willing to give him back what already belongs to him. You know, so the difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering is that Abel gave the best he had to offer. His heart was in the fact that he wanted to give God the best he had to offer. When we give God the first and the best, we are acting in faith. You know, so I I want you to think about what does the tithe mean for you? For me, now I understand that it's about 
my heart and where my treasure is. So I had to really sit back and, and process and think about that. So I want you to do the same. Do you faithfully give of God the best of your time or do you just give him your last 15 minutes of the day because you didn't have time to read your scripture and spend time in prayer with him? Or do you give him the first 10 percent of your income because you know you're recognizing God as your source and not just a resource that you want to pay and give money to just to get a blessing from in return? You know, do you give God the best of your efforts or are you just doing enough to please people and get by? The tithe is not just about income. It's about everything in our life and recognizing that God is our source and recognizing that he has our heart. Okay. So I know that kind of got off track, but the end of verse four says, although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Verse four is teaching us that death is not the termination of life for people of faith. Although Abel was murdered, by his brother his life of faith still speaks to us today so when you when you leave this earth and you return back to your heavenly father will your life speak a life of faith are you passing down to others around you god's wisdom and knowledge and understanding can people look at your life and see that you're walking with god that you're living a life that is invested in trust in god So we're going to go back to Hebrews and we're going to read verses five through six. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him for before he was taken up. He was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So I'm going to go back and we're going to read Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, where the author talks about Enoch. Okay, Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. Even while living in a wicked culture, by faith, Enoch lived out a godly lifestyle. In Genesis, the author said that Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. And walking with God is a frequent description of a Christian life with God. This means our lives are in step with God. We are yielding to obedience to him and following his pace and direction. Walking also implies intimacy and fellowship. You know, as we walk with God, we grow closer to him as we share everything in our lives with him and learn more of his ways. You know, it's a it's a connection that is built when you spend time in close proximity and with God, you know, so uh, verse six, it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
Faith must also include the believing that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Seeking God is doing deliberate and intentional activities. No one can accidentally draw nearer to God. We must do so by faith. Believers must not rely on good works, religious rituals, or spiritual disciplines for salvation. We must believe in God's promise of salvation through Christ and nothing else. You know, we have to be intentional in growing in our faith. So, okay, when I say intentional, I knew that I needed to grow in my faith and understanding of the tithe. I could have simply sat back and waited for clarity or I could have not paid my tithe or not paid the tithe or not give God the best of my time or whatever, because, well, I, I just don't know. I don't I don't know. I was taught wrong or I could have been intentional and seek God's wisdom and understanding of the tithe and be intentional in asking him to help me with that, you know, and in doing so, draw me closer and nearer to him out of my obedience to his wisdom and, and direction for my life. So we all have to be deliberate and intentional in this walk of faith, in this walk with God. You know, God he says walk with God. Now, what if God is walking and we're just sitting still doing nothing? You know, we, we have to be deliberate and intentional in seeking God. Okay, so what does it mean to live by faith? It means that in our various circumstances, we live out our belief that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Those who live by faith take confident action based on what God has revealed about his character, seeking to do his will in all things. That should not change. I understand that. And even in my life, I'm not, I'm not judging. I can only talk about me. You know, I can only speak about the things that I've experienced and hopefully it helps you. But what I've learned is that there's a difference between fear and a spirit of fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. So if you're fearful, if you have a spirit of fear, that spirit of fear dictates to you the choices that you make. If you have faith, your faith dictates the choices that you make so if you it's one thing to be afraid it's one thing to have a fear to recognize that there is potential danger but again there's a difference between fear and a spirit of fear we god did not call us to live in a spirit of fear he has not given us a spirit of fear he has given us faith so we in our different circumstances regardless of what they look like we live out our belief even though we don't see things coming together and materializing for our good we continue to live out our faith knowing that God will meet his promise he will come good on his promise so my question for you is and for me when faced with a terrible trial do you continue to believe that he loves you and cares for you when you're going through something that's hard or when you're in a situation that you can't control, do you believe God's promise that he loves you and cares for you? You know, in life's difficulties, believers are challenged to trust in God and to anticipate the fulfillment of his promises. Believers live in the confidence that the rewards for faith 
come in eternity, not necessarily in this life. So I am not telling you that people are going to live life of faith and they're going to receive abundant material or life blessings here on earth and all their rewards are going to be here. You know, because Abel, Abel died. Abel, please, God, he was living a life of faith, yet he was murdered and killed by his brother. As believers in Christ, we know that our blessings are not necessarily always here on earth. They are often and can be or will be in eternity with God. You know, and I hope hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully I connected that the way I have in my mind. I was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. And he made this profound statement in the book. And he was talking about money, but it also had a truth in it that stood out to me. It says, everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. You know, and I think about life for believers. You know, we have the head knowledge and we have the understanding that, oh, I want to go to heaven when I die. I believe that heaven is so much better than earth. But we tend to want to hold on to the things of the earth. We tend to want to hold on to the life that we have here. And we forget that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We don't belong to this world. We belong in the presence of God. You know, so I want us to remember that as we go through this walk of faith, this journey of faith, everything should point to eternity. This that we're going through here on earth in the good and the bad is to point us to eternity. So, y'all, that's all I have for today. Hopefully I didn't confuse you in any way and God gave you what you needed from this message. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer, and I'll talk to you all the next time. You know, Father God, thank you so much for, for your word, Father God. I pray that it does exactly what it is that you want it to do, Father God. And I pray that you would help me to trust you in all circumstances, Lord. I pray for every person that's hearing this message. I pray that you would give them what they need, Father God, and help them to move closer in their proximity to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you today. Please share and come back next week for another episode of Be Encouraged.